Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet. You haven't hit that million dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you. Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast, founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course, and every week you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, our second objective is proximity. You're going to have proximity to like-minded people, just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life. And they're going to hold you accountable to whatever you say you want to do, or better yet, whoever you say you want to be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective we're going to be watching. We want to make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do, you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Put in coupon code Emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website, and I hope to see all of you in Emerge.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And this week, we welcome in a guy that I got to connect with recently. He's an amazing investor, really, really tuned into business acquisition, along with God knows whatever else he does. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's an amazing GoBundance brother of mine, Nigel Geisinger. Welcome, brother. Hey, thank you very much. I'm so grateful to be on. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. To talking today. Truly my honor today because we've uh, we had some great times in Breckenridge, uh, connected quite a bit, had a great lunch together, and you you gave me perspective on things I never thought of before. So appreciate you for that. Let's start with your backstory. You're uh, I know you're an Oregon guy who's who's misplaced at this point. We could say what's your story coming from Oregon over to Missouri and everything yeah. in between. Give us the give us the run of it. Yeah, so uh, grew up in Salem, Oregon. Uh, mom, dad, you know, uh, sister in suburban life. Right. That's uh, that's that's what I grew up in suburban life. Um, my parents still live in the same house they built in 1972. Um, my dad drives a truck until it dies on the side of the road. And then he calls up the car dealership and says, hey, come pick me up. I got your trade in right here. Yeah. So, you know, old school family. Um, my dad was in construction. My mom was a housewife until uh, I was in high school. And then she worked at the high school that I was at in the career center. But growing up uh, was around heavy, heavy construction, um, bridge building, freeways, that type of thing. And then uh, my family was always involved in business. Uh, my uncle and my grandma had a, a fairly sizable property holding company, business holding company. And so from the time I was little, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You know, some kids say, hey, I want to be a policeman. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a Superman. I knew I was going to own businesses. And the thing is, is that from a little age, I mean, like three, four, five years old, my parents and my grandparents said, okay, cool. We're going to teach you how to do it. So I was blessed in the fact that I got to be in business meetings from at five years old, talking about $20 million construction contracts. And I got to be in, in, you know, those type of meetings and hold a check for a hundred million dollars at 10 years old. You know, I mean, that's, that's something most people don't get to do. So super blessed to be around that. At the same time, my dad said, you know, money's not the big thing. It's about family. And so I was taught, you know, a, a little bit different. I went to a private school uh, through elementary school. And, uh, and got to have a different type of education than most people would have it was a one room schoolhouse. So I was horrible at spelling and really good at math. So in the first grade, I was doing fifth, sixth, seventh grade math. In the fourth grade, I was doing first grade English, right? So you put, you, you know, the students wherever they're supposed to be based on level. And that's what I did. So uh, it was really a program that allowed you to flourish where you're good and then catch up where you're not. And that helped out substantially going into to wanting to be a business entrepreneur because yeah. there is no box. There's no, you know, there's no checkbox. It's how creative can you get? There is no solution that's wrong, but there is one ultimate correct solution that's better and best for everybody. So it's my job to figure out what that is in any problem that there is. It doesn't mean that one option is, is, uh, always better than another. It means that you can learn. And at the end of it, ultimately, no matter what the problem is, if it's you and me de deciding what we want to have for dinner tonight, there's one place we could pick that would be both the best for our budget, best for our health, best for the conversations we're going to have, and ultimately the best ambiance and meal and everything all wrapped in. Yeah. That said, there's 20,000 restaurants we could go to, right? So what's the best? Who knows? But my job as an investor is to figure that solution out no matter what the asset is. So uh, learned, learned about that from, from when I was growing up, um, very influenced by my grandmother who, uh, who she was very, very smart. Yeah. Taught me, taught me business, taught me some things that most people would, 
would shake their head at. In fact, uh, have had a bunch of GoBundance guys. I've debated this round and round and round. And at the end, every single GoBundance guy I ever talked to, they go, I, I, can't, de- I can't debate it. You're right. And the, the first rule that she said, she says, this is an absolute truth. The absolute truth is if you want to make more money in real estate than you can spend in your lifetime, accept this fact. Real estate does not appreciate in value. Now, when you say that in a room of guys like David Osborne and Rock Thomas and and uh, you know you name it, everybody who's a who's a real estate guy, they look and go, no, it goes up. I just you know I just bought a place for two hundred thousand, and six months later I sold it for two sixty. Yeah, that's inflation. That's inflation. Mm-hmm. Because what you're really doing when you have a, an investment asset is you are not actually buying the asset. You're pegging a certain amount of debt in time for perpetuity. And she used to use a correlation of hamburgers and hot dogs and said, and, and houses. And she'd say, you know, how many houses could you buy or how many hamburgers could you buy with your house? I'm like, I don't, I don't get that. What do you mean? She says, well, however many houses you could buy or how hamburgers you could buy with your house, you can buy that the same day you sell to. So if you went and got a gourmet Red Robin burger, the price of hamburgers and the price of hot dogs and the price of houses appreciate at the same amount. Mm. What you're really doing is you're pegging so many hot dogs or hamburgers in the form of a house. Now, the difference is, as an investor, we get to put that money in and have somebody else pay it. So it's mm. kind of cool. I get to order hamburgers and have you know somebody else pay the debt. Okay. So the key is, how much debt can you take on? What can you do? And she taught me there's three things in any deal. There's price, there is the rate, there is the duration. So I'll say that again. There's the price, there's the rate, there's the duration. Most people negotiate the price with the seller and the rate and duration with the bank. That means that you get half of one deal and, and one out of two on the other. You know, Chris Boss would say that's a losing, that's a losing deal, right? Yeah. So we want to win every deal and we want to win it for everybody. So that means maybe creative finance, maybe you know, partnerships that are strategic, maybe you know, something, something out there that's different, right? That's what we do. So I was taught that. Then she had two, uh, two rules to saying, Hey, I'll teach you how to, uh, to make money and make more money than you can ever spend. I said, okay, what, what are those two rules? She says, you have to accept them before I tell them to you. I said, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. She goes, no, no, these are the rules. Like these are the rules. I said, okay, what, what, what is it? She says, no, you got to, you got to accept them right now. I said, okay, I, I accept. She says, boy, it's real easy to do that when you haven't heard them. She says, the first is for the rest of your life, you have to say yes anytime somebody asks how you got your education and will you teach me. Mm. It's huge because what she taught me was the education in my head isn't mine. It's actually generations of people before me that are lending it to me while I'm alive. It's my job to pass it to you so you can pass it to somebody else. So because the problems we have stem from people not sharing information and not giving that wealth of knowledge. People are throwing bricks through windows in downtown Portland today because yeah. we have a population that, that doesn't have a financial education to understand how to get out of the, the grind. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's the issue? It's not that somebody got shot. It's not that, that there's racism or this, that, and the other. I'm not saying that those things didn't happen. Sure. But the bottom line is, is that we as leaders have the responsibility to educate everybody as how the system actually works. And bluntly, society's done a real shitty job of that. And mm-hmm. so 
we have the obligation to show people. So from now on, I'll pass on this information to you guys, but you guys now have that same obligation. Somebody asks you to go have coffee, you get to pay for it. I don't even drink coffee, and I probably ate at Star- I sat at Starbucks a hundred times. I don't drink coffee. I hate <laughs> Starbucks. I hate coffee. But yeah, you know what? Too. I'll have it every single time, and I always pay. You know why? Because those are the rules. Yeah. So that was rule number one. Rule number two is before you're done with an asset, before you buy an asset, before you think you're going to get into an asset, you got to know what you're going to do with the asset to dispose of it. What are you going to do when you're done with it? And there's only one thing you can do with that asset, and that is to actually give it away. She doesn't mean sell it. Now, you can sell it if, if somebody comes up and offers a, a dumb price, take it. You know, P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute. You know, and, and uh, Yogi Berra says when there's a, when it gets to the fork in the road, take it, you know, mm-hmm. so you gotta, you gotta live up to, you know, if somebody wants to give you a dumb deal, take it. Yeah. But that said, she gave me this metaphor. She says, when you're the, when you, when you go into, to this mentality of, of buying assets and, and your thought process is um, that you're going to give it away, you're no longer the owner of an asset, but you're now the fiducial of an asset. And this applies to both business and real estate. So when we talk about being the fiducial of the asset, what's the difference in that? She used this metaphor. She says, I was dating my wife at that time. She says, okay, so let's pretend this is your anniversary, your one-year anniversary dating your girlfriend. I said, yeah. She says, and that night you want it to go well. And she's an old school Southern woman who, you know, went to church every Sunday. So she's not going to get too graphic, but I understood what she's saying. She says this, would you go out and go buy a dozen roses and then put them in a crystal vase on the island at, at your girlfriend's house? with rose petals sprinkled from the door to the island and baby's breath and maybe some music and some candles and a handwritten note that says, I saw these, I thought of you. I want you to know how much I love you. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your life. Or do you buy the flowers last week, pay the $49.95 for the flowers, enjoy them in your car for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and just before they're dead, walk up to your girl and go, hey, I paid $49 for these and I want to get my money back. Here you are. And I said, uh, Grandma, I'd never get laid that way if I did that. <laughs> she goes, you're damn right. And she goes, so why is it that people do that in business? Mm. Why do people do that in real estate? I paid this amount for this asset. I sucked the enjoyment and every bit of profit, every bit of quality, every bit of everything. I put nothing else into it. And I expect you to pay me back because I'm going to give you a shit asset. Mm. You see the difference? As an owner, your job is to suck every bit of profit and, and, and optimize that for you. As a fiducial giving a gift to somebody else, your job is to make it better to the person you're giving it to. If you're the fiducial of an asset, you will take care of your, your employees, your customers, your tenants, your on-site managers, your property managers, your vendors. If you were the owner... You will suck every single penny out of that profit. And at the end, a guy like me will come in and buy your asset and fix it up and make millions of dollars because you did it the wrong way. And so that's what I do. I fix other people's screw ups if it's in business or in real estate. And it's my belief that uh, I'm not any smarter than anybody else. Like I said, the education I have in between my ears was lent to me by generations before. Yeah. My job is to equip and help train other men and women who want to lead from the front and actually do something. You won't hear me use rhetoric. All right, go bros. We have our 2022 couples trip 
of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about Italy. Here is the epic itinerary, day one. This is April 1st, 2022. We're going to arrive in Florence and take a private transfer to the city center. There we're going to go on a guided walking tour of Florence. We're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant. Day two. After breakfast, we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient Florentine artisanal tradition. Then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop. In the afternoon, challenge yourself to a hands-on Tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner. Day 3, April 3rd, we're hitting the countryside. In the company of your local art historian guide, visit a Galleria commissioned in 1560. Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Tizzanio, Michelangelo, all have hung out in this joint here. After lunch, at your leisure, travel to the Tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the Inner Restaurant. Day 4. A full-day excursion to Siena. Today, soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center. See Palazzo Publico, the colorful marble-clad cathedral, and Piazzo del Campo, one of Italy's most beautiful squares. Then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards, blanketing the surrounding landscape. Day 5. We are going to start the day by driving Fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous Tuscan countrysides. And we're going to land in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is going to serve us wine and, and an incredible meal. Day 6. Transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day 7. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum. The massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators were gladiators prepared for battle. Next, be thrilled by a specially arranged visit inside formerly the Temple of Antonius. Here, enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian. Day 8, we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa. After lunch at an enchanting local restaurant, we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique 
accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022. I've seen the win-win approach uh, that you're speaking of for you in action. And we might, we might be able to get to that as we go along here to talk through uh, a way in which you did that recently that was chronicled actually on some bigger podcasts as well. But I want to go back real quick to the obligation part you talked about on saying yes uh, to educate others. It's borrowed education that's given to to others. I really like that. I like the the absolute truth and the two rules from grandma. How do you implement, facilitate place that into action when it comes to like your life, your kids, like what, yeah. what do you do from a standpoint of, of educating your kids? Cause you're right. There's a lot of, a lot of lack of education out there uh, that leads to what we see violence, uh, misunderstanding, Absolutely. you know, just, you know, just this, this rift that we feel yeah. uh, in this country and around the world. So how do you take that same obligation? And, and if there's, if there's anything, is there anything specific or special that you feel you do with your family, with your kids? So there's one thing, if you ask, all, I've got three boys and a girl. Uh, my, my oldest boy is 12. My daughter's 10. My uh, middle boy is eight. And I've got a five-year-old. You could ask my five-year-old even, and I say this all the time to him. I said, you know, I'm raising strong men. Mm-hmm. My job is to, to make strong men and leaders of men. So I'm raising leaders of men. I'm not raising the next W-2 employee. I'm, I'm raising leaders of men. Yeah. And there's an old statement that said, Strong, uh, strong men are created by weak times. Weak times are created by weak men. Weak men create. Oh, uh, sorry, it goes. Good times are created by strong men. Got it. Good times create weak men. Yeah. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. It's a circle, and it's a fact. And right now, we have a lot of weak men in this country. Yeah. We have a lot of weak men in this country, and. You know what that means is that we're going to have some hard times. So if we know we're going to have some hard times coming in and we're seeing it right now, politically, socially, economically for a lot of people, if we know we've got weak time, you know, weak men creating weak times or hard times means that right now we as dads need to step up and create strong men. And so we need to be unapologetically awesome in saying, hey, I'm going to raise kids that are going to be leaders of men. I'm going to raise my daughter to be a leader of women. I'm going to raise my son to be a biblical husband. I'm going to raise my daughter to be a Proverbs-style woman. You know, I'm going to lead from the front. It's unpopular. It's brash. It means, you know, sometimes you're abrasive, and it's not abrasive to be hurtful. It's abrasive because, you know, when I got in trouble, I used to get spanked. Yeah, me too. You, You know why? Because I was wrong. Did I do it again? Maybe. But the, the fifth or sixth or tenth time, guess what? I understood what my parents were doing. It makes sense, right? Yeah. And so ultimately, uh, you know, there's that, that old statement of, is it better to be nice or to be kind? You know, if you've, got, uh, if you've got food sticking in between your teeth, which you don't, but if you did, you know, the kind thing to do would be to, uh, you know, to not say anything because I want to be, be kind. Or, I, I, you know, but if I wanted to be nice to you, I'd say, hey, Jamie, this is this is what it is because over the long haul, the difference is, you know, you'd have twenty people looking at you and go, "Hey, uh, two thousand people listen to this podcast and uh, look at Jamie with the the you know spinach between his teeth." 
mm-hmm. right? So while it would be on the short term, like, oh man, I can't believe I had that on the long haul. It's actually looking out for your yacht. Yeah. And too I, often, I, too often we don't do that. And so we need to be yeah. mildly abrasive in love to help other people out. Sometimes that means I'm going to come across as a butthead, but you know what? It's never, it's never intentional. I actually want to see everybody win. You know, my buddy Gabe Hamill, who's a GoBro, who got me into GoBundance. Um, you know, he he puts on his his uh, Instagram, and that guy's got I don't know, like a gajillion followers. But his uh, his statement almost every week says, you know, there's a hundred percent chance that I'm rooting for you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I stand by that too. I want to see people win. I don't care where you're from, what your background is, what anything is. I believe that you have a better opportunity to impact your community and make life better for everybody around you than I can. There's nothing I can do in your neighborhood that you couldn't do. You know the people better. You know the culture better. You know what it is. Take care of your people. After you're done there, go on to the next one. If you don't have the skill set to do that, I don't know what your town needs. When we were on that Emerge call, you remember I said, hey, I've never been to Ohio. I'm never going to go there. I don't know a single person in the town that that guy lived in. But you know what? I want to see that town be better. Why? Because he lives it. That's facts. Yeah. And that's how we have to be as people. So that's, that's how I was raised. That's what I grew up around. And, uh, and I carry that, that mentality, you know, and the positive thing is I, the education I have is, is, uh, is from a, a, a pretty strong pedigree. My, my grandmother's uh, father was one of the smartest, probably 10 business people in the state of, well, in the history of the United States. Um, he was a business advisor to only two people. Uh, both of the people he was business advisors to are Fortune 10 companies, um, and he gave one of those companies away. He was so dedicated to the belief that when you're done with something, you give it away. He gave away three and a half million chickens, multiple processing plants, thousands of acres um, to the world's largest chicken processing company now, which initially had the parent company named Great House Cannery Corporation, because he honestly believed that it's our job to clear the path for the next guy to run. You know, David Osborne says, throw down the rope when you get there. My great grandpa would have said, I don't just throw down the rope. I'm going to start excavating the mountain so that other guys can get up easier too. I love so that. while I'm up there, I'm going to, I'm going to do it all. Yeah. And just, yeah, by the way, I think if anybody's searching for the name, uh, let's see a, a, a center for the bulls in the nineties, number 32, that, that's a, the last name of that guy. will give you the name of the chicken company you're talking about. <laughs> only people our age will get that. So. <laughs> that's exactly it. So, so um, you, yeah, go you've got that. And then he also was, he also happened to be, um, if you read the Walmart way, uh, Sam's first, uh, pair or first, uh, part talks about that. There's a farmer who taught him about hub and spoke business distribution and models, uh, Walmart's distribution model came from chicken processing. Uh, my grandma's name was, is, well, she's passed, was Alice Greathouse. Thankfully, the Walton family was kind enough to, to uh, honor my grandmother in, uh, when they named their daughter. So That's, that's uh, what we call a pedigree, right? So, that's what we call so, a pedigree. Sure. Yeah. So the education I have comes from that. But that said, uh, they never gave me a dollar. My parents haven't ever said, hey, here's money. Go do this. They said, go figure it out. We're going to give you the education but it's yours to also pass out to other people. So that's what I try and do. How do I help more people go be awesome every day? You know, your point about the, uh, just two quick asides, your point about the, um, you know, finding people that you could be, 
you know, uh, authentic with and say, hey, you got stuff in your teeth, right? That kind of community. It's, it's hard to find because of the kindness or, or niceness yeah. that you talked about. I think that's what drew me to a GoBundance. I'm sure you and others that come to yeah. a community like GoBundance or others. And secondly, and this is, this is truth, shameless plug for Emerge. Uh, you want to see one of our millionaire case studies that absolutely people go nuts over. Tune into Nigel's. You can get it. Got to join Emerge. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I want to go back quick to the education piece because I like what you started with on this. You, you talked about stating an intent essentially with your kids, like, you know, a yeah. leader of men, leader of women, not raising W2 employees. I'm leading, raising leaders. Like for in our home, we've, we've taken that as like, you know, traditional school we're concerned with. You know, we took our, our oldest who's just starting out of that. We've gone you know, kind of the homeschooling route for like a, a millisecond and then finally into kind of the Acton Academy environment because we feel like that gives them uh, the the best the best life education you can get. Yeah, I, I was talking to a guy today that owns some Acton schools who has a like an 11-year-old that's making $2,000 a month in their business because of what they learn at Acton. What, with your kids, do you, do you homeschool? Like, what do you do at home if you don't? Like, what do you, what are some tactical things? Like, if I wanted to say, you yeah. said to me, I'm raising my sons to be leader of men, leaders of men. If I yeah. say, well, I have sons, how do I do that? What would you yeah. tell me? Are there two, three tactics? Is it a specific yeah. school? What would you say? So, so a little case in point, you alluded to it at the very beginning, right? I'm an Oregon guy who moved to the Midwest. You know why? Yeah. Because 18 months ago, Oregon wasn't doing school in, in, at all. I mean, the kids weren't doing school. They weren't even doing online school. This was three months into COVID and it was basically like, hey, to heck with yeah. it. We're locking down. Right, Your action on this was crazy in a good way. Like this yeah. is like, uh, uh, as people listen to this, like the amount of like, you know, ready, fire him. I made a decision and I went with it is crazy. This go for it. I'm sorry. So, so here's what, so here's what I did. First, I was on bigger pockets the week that COVID hit. And I, I had talked to Scott Trench before and I said, I will be on bigger pockets one time for you. When you guys, when there's really a problem, you call me. When you really have a problem, you call me. And second week of COVID, first, first show after COVID, I was on for about their business and how to start up businesses and the opportunities there. And it really lit a fire under me to, to try and help people. And, and uh, Chad Corbett and I helped about 400 people acquire businesses. Um, we were supposed to take cuts of that. It would have equaled out to be about $100 million. And we opted to take zero. We took nothing. Because what the hell am I going to do with an extra $100 million, right? I mean, really, what am I going to do? Well, I, I, mean, I would I'm, take it. You could give I'm it to me. I'm going to drive my Toyota Corolla. I'm going to still eat steak dinner tonight. I'm going to drink, you know, some nice bourbon. It's not my, my life's not going to change one bit. But you know what? Those 400 communities that have those businesses and all of those are solvent. Those are solvent because we didn't take a cut. Hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. So what am I? Do, what did I do after that? Then I noticed, you know, hey, schools locked down, shut down, nothing. And our kids were going to private school. I mean, they were going to school at the church that we went to. And uh, baseball season was. They were supposed to have baseball season. And so they had tryouts for baseball and, and it comes down to it. And they say, you know, we're not going to do baseball season. We're not going to do school the rest of the year. And I looked at my kids. I came home from, from my office at the appliance store. And I said, uh, you know, what do you guys think? And, and my, my youngest said, I just want to have friends. How horrible of a yeah. dad does that hurt? I just want to have friends. He's four years old at this point, right? Four years old, not even five yet. You can't go to school. You can't do anything. Yeah. So I said, what do you guys want to do? He said, I don't know. So took a day, talked to my wife, and I was developing, uh, working on some projects here in, in the Midwest and some apartments here and some apartments in Tennessee. Mm. And so I called my property manager and said, hey, you know, what, what do we think? What are the opportunities in Missouri? What are the opportunities in Tennessee? 
I said, yeah, I think there's some stuff here. So the next day, I come back from the office. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, man. No, it, it's, yeah, the ki- kids can do this to you, right? They're such a simple, simple statement. I mean, you know, coming from an innocent place. And like you said, you, you internalize it. What kind of a dad am I? And again, the, the kind of dad you are, just to honor you, is the kind of dad who did what he did next, which is yeah. a far above and beyond. Because look, you know, you, you, and we might talk about this, you have a, an insane commitment and loyalty. I, I might even call it unhealthy to yeah. Oregon, your town, where you're from. Like you yeah. love where you are from. Yeah. You, because of, because of this, took amazing action to pull yourself from everything you've known and loved to do, yeah. to go somewhere else completely just because of the benefit of your family, because you yeah. wanted to pick up your family and be in integrity with who you are as a dad. So yeah. tons of honor to you for that, but go ahead. I, I'll let you continue on that. <laughs> so so I asked them the next day. I had all four of the kids pull them in. My wife were all around the eating bar, counter, island, whatever you want to call it. I said, okay, we got uh, three choices. And I'm going to let Dowden, our four-year-old, go first. And then Henrik, at the time, he was six. Then Emmeline, she was eight. Uh, and, and then Brighton, at the time, he was 10. I said, I'm going to let you guys vote. Here's the three options. We can stay here. We can move to Tennessee because we've got some property there and, and the real estate market is picking up. And I think that we can do something there mm-hmm. or we have some cousins that live in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, they're doing school. And, you know, then we have some, some familiarity and, and whatnot, but, uh, and we own some real estate here. And so, you know, these are, these are the options. And so my, my four-year-old goes, yeah, I want, I, I think we should move to Missouri. Okay. Son, six years old says, yeah, I, I love that. You know, I've only got one really good friend here and I haven't seen him in three weeks. I said, okay. My daughter goes, you know, my daughter's a cheerleader. She, she was the number one tumbler at her age in the state of Oregon. And she goes, you know, is there cheerleading in, in Missouri? I said, there is. She goes, you think I'd get on a team? I said, yeah, probably. She goes, okay, let's, let's go to Missouri. And I look at my son and he goes, you know, and my son is an amazing, my oldest boy is an amazing athlete. I don't know where he gets it. Um, he throws wife. it. He's, Your he's wife. Probably. Yeah, she's five foot tall. She definitely. The recessive genes. But, you know, I mean, he, he was on like Nike's U9, U10 team for Oregon. Wow, I, mean, the kid's I didn't like know a that. Stud. Wow. He, yeah, he's, that's cool. He's on travel ball. The, kid, the kid's amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, and he goes, you know what? I, I love Oregon State. I love I love the Beavs. But he goes, you know, uh, Arkansas is real close. I could probably go to Arkansas. Mm. He says, I, I think we go to, I think we go to Springfield. And so I look at my wife and I said, I think they just voted. She goes, what? I said, sell the house tomorrow. What? Sell the house. We're packing our shit. We're gone. Does she have a vote? We had four people. We had six people. I guess four or six. Good point. Did did it matter what we said? Boy, I love that. Yeah. It it didn't matter. To go back to what you were talking about. So uh, earlier, how committed was I to, to the city? In 2008, when, when everything went to, to pot, you know, throughout the old economy, uh, yeah. the town that I grew up in, Kaiser, had a, uh, had a commercial project that went really bad. I mean, it, it basically uh, used up all the systems, development fees, tax money that the city had. I mean, they, they gambled, they swung, they lost big time. Yeah. As a result, about 50% of the commercial spaces in the town were empty. Wow. And I kept hearing my friends go, you know, somebody should do something about that. Somebody should do something. Somebody should do something. I got so pissed. So pissed because if, if anything that people take away from this is action is more important, action is more important. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter what idea you have. It doesn't matter if you're the best person. If you don't do shit with your action, with, with your stuff, 
you're just an asshole on the sidelines. And I mean that. If you are the smartest guy in the room and you don't take action, you are an asshole. Because you should step up. We should. Because more people need to step up. So I heard this line and it was about the 10th or 11th time I'd heard it in the week. You know, somebody's got to do something about this. And I said, hey, and I was sitting across from one of my buddies. And I said, listen here, MFR, you're somebody, I'm somebody. I've heard that line long enough. I'm going to go fix it. And he goes, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. And then I bought the oldest concurrently running business in that town. And it took me five years. I joined the Chamber of Commerce. I was at every meeting. I pushed, I pushed, I pushed. And, uh, and that whole town came back because somebody, not me, it was a bunch of other people put out effort. Mm -hmm. It's awesome because I'm not any smarter than anybody else. Like I say, the education I have isn't mine. It's somebody else's, right? The ideas that we have are just a sum of what we've heard from other people and we add it together and we put our own spin on it. Yeah. So I'm just using what I've been given. And so, you know, I'm, I don't want to make it sound like I'm the only person that made Kaiser viable. That's not, that's not the case, but a push was needed and, and, you know, thankfully I could build a team there that, that we, that we helped revive that town. And, so, uh, and so, so leaving was not easy. I mean, I was, I was on the chamber of commerce board. I was volunteer of the year. I mean, I've been nominated for congressional, you know, notoriety, notoriety from my town. I've yeah. been told, uh, that the, you know, GOP had ran numbers to see if I ran against the the fifth district representative for Oregon, who's a Democrat, Oregon's a blue state, what yeah. the odds were. And they said, you're one of like three people in the whole state that could, could upseat a, 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 a you know, a long-term state congressman for the fifth district. And, you know, I mean, that was something I always thought, you know, Hey, maybe I could go into that. And in one thing, my son's saying, I just want friends. Yeah. I'm out. Because we have to decide at some point, do we, do we keep putting our finger in the dam or do we accept the fact that that's going to go and we can go where somebody else wants us to be? Right. And so my job as the head of household for my family is to listen to the other people in my family. I can make money. I mean, I've, I've, I've made and lost so much, Jamie. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I had a cloud server once and I don't want to go too far into it, um, but long story short is... Google dropped a cloud server. It cost me $13.5 million in one day. Mm. You know, and, and most people filed bankruptcy. I'm still fighting with banks right now to refinance a piece of property. Even today, I was on about that because you know I'm going to pay every dollar even when it was taken by somebody else. Even right. when the insurance company doesn't pay everything they're supposed to. Mm. You know, I've got the document from the court that says, hey, Nigel, you're right. These guys hosed you, but their policy was only for so much, right? When the mm. economic damage is $13 million and the insurance policy is for five. You lose money, and and that five is is split between you know multiple people, m multiple companies. I got three hundred and seventy thousand dollars on a thirteen point five million dollar loss. Mm. You know um, yeah. that sucks, yeah. but ultimately it's my job as a man with integrity to pay every bill because, like my friend Cody Sanchez says, if there's a problem in your business, even if it's not your fault, it's your fault. And so I had to live up to that and say, okay, it's my fault. I didn't have all the policies in place. I didn't have backups. I didn't have everything that I should have. So the cool thing is, is now I've got a, I've got an education and uh, I was talking to somebody uh, here a while back who's a, who's a huge hedge fund manager. And he called us up, me and my business partner and offered us a hundred million dollars. So they'll give you a hundred million dollars right now. Don't take any other investors. We just want to partner with you guys. 
literally just, I want 9% return on my money and just, I'm going to move a hundred million dollars into your bank account, like right now. And I looked at him, we were on a zoom call and my business partner's all in a suit and tie. And as you see, I'm just wearing a t-shirt and shorts right now. And I said, well, Warren, that's really cute. But if we want to get in bed together, I'm going to be $500 million. Mm. And he goes, what? I said, go tell your guys I want more money because I can do this all day and I don't need your money. And I say this because Warren says, you know, the, he says, you know why I offered you a hundred million dollars? He says, because I'll never give somebody a hundred million dollars that hasn't lost 10. He says, if you hadn't lost money before and knew how to come back, I would give you a hundred. Mm. He says, but I know you're not going to lose a hundred. He says, so I'm confident. So he went back to his board and they're talking about it. Maybe they give us $500 million, never go to a bank again. No kidding. But you know, what's funny. It doesn't affect me one way or another. I'll go do the work because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and do the exact same thing I was going to do no matter if they gave me the money or not, because it's my obligation to go fix the things that people don't do right. So if a bank, if I get it from a bank, if I get it from an investor, if I get it from a hedge fund, does it really matter? It doesn't. It's our job. It's our obligation as leaders to lead and do the right thing, even if nobody's behind us. That means that I'm going to go fix towns like Jonesboro or I'm in the north part of Jonesboro and guys that look like me don't show up there. In fact, the first words I was ever told in that neighborhood was, honky, you're in the wrong effing spot. Mm. And I said, what? He says, this is my hood. And I looked at the guy scoring there. I said, see, from that stop sign down there to that stop sign down there. He says, yeah. He said, this is my effing hood because I own it. And I'm here to fix it. And I'm not going to tell you that you don't justify and that you're not supposed to be here because you are supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to fix this thing. And these dilapidated buildings are going to get fixed. I'm not going to tear it down and gentrify and make it something that it isn't. I'm going to come in and fix it because you as a man deserve a better place for your kids, for your girlfriend, for your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You deserve a safe, clean space to live. And the people who own this asset now don't give that to you. And you deserve better as a man. So I'm going to mm-hmm. treat you like a man. I'm going to fix your home. That's credibility. Credibility. Different. Amazing. Different. Amazing. And, then, How do and you, then, you, then you know what we do after that, Jimmy? We actually freaking do it. Yeah, no, that's true. You're an executor. And you said it before. Ideas are worthless. Action is priceless, right? Action is where the, where, where the rubber meets the road. Like People are afraid to share their idea like somebody's going to steal it. It really doesn't matter. Execution yeah. is the key. And I, you know, lesson for me, lesson for all of us. And you're, you're I mean, just the story about moving to Missouri. Yeah. You're somebody who executes. But yeah. one thing I wonder about a little bit, uh, if you could touch on it, there's actually, I wrote down like three or four things. Let's see if we can get to all of them. But one thing I wonder about is, you know, you've got uh, a, a true sense of obligation to communities, what you just described about from this stop sign to that stop sign and telling that person, um, you know, you deserve better. This is real. Like for anybody who's spent time with Nigel, this isn't like some facade for a podcast, like one-on-one he's saying the same stuff. He truly, truly, truly uh, yeah. believes in the idea of uh, adding value as opposed to you know padding the bank account, which to be honest with you, uh, I'd struggle with that. I would struggle with that. I would be very tempted to take the hundred million or whatever as opposed to just being altruistic. But you're as close as it comes in that regard. But between that obligation that you feel to your town, to Jonesboro, to wherever, and between uh, your grandmother's second rule, right, or first rule, say yes, right, say yes to those that. There's a lot of obligation generally there that you have maybe to others. And, you know, I know you do say yes. I've never heard you say no, to be honest with you, to anybody that requests time from you. How do you balance that against wife, four kids, family, all of that? Or do you? Is it just not something you can balance? You know, to be honest, it's a, it's a very difficult balance. And I'd, I'd be lying if I said I was phenomenal at it because I'm not. 
And I don't know if anybody is, right? But no, I'm just curious I, if there's anything that you've found, a hack or anything, or is it just an understanding with your family? I, I don't know. I'm curious. What I was told by a friend of mine one time was, wherever you are, be present 100%. So when I'm with my kids, 100% there. Yeah. When I'm with you, 100% there. True. When I'm with, at church, 100% there. And with my parents, 100% there. Whatever you do, do it 100%. You know, be 100% in, no matter what and where. And that doesn't mean, you know, I, I don't have to take a call every now and again, right? You know, when, when I'm with my kids. But, you know, be 100% in, no matter where you are. And then if you're given new information, be willing to turn 180 degrees in the opposite direction and go as well. So if you find out that something needs to happen, then we can say, hey, I'm going to be in this house having this podcast with you. But I can tell you, if all of a sudden my house caught on fire, I'm going to get the hell out of this room. Not you know? gonna finish this. Not gonna be present. This this is more important. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I'm <laughs> seeing me jump through the window right there. But, that, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like we have to think about that. And it's so it's so much people talking these absolutes. Life is an absolute. Life is an absolute. It's not. There's only one thing that's absolute. God started it, and in the end, He's gonna finish it. And I get to be present while I'm while He allows me to. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a God. It's not me. I get to be in this, you know, in this dance and I love it that I'm here and I'm going to go hundred percent while I'm here. I'd rather kick the bucket at 65 of a heart attack than make it to 90 and have just fiddled my way through life Yeah, because I'm going to be awesome the entire way through. And I hope more people are awesome with me. Mm. And that's not me patting myself on the back. Not at all. Not at all. It, it's just, I think that if more people took action, it would be awesome. I want to support more people being awesome. You know, I give away all my secrets. I, it's like the way I'd, I'd be the shittiest business person if it was just about the money because I don't care. I don't need it. What do you do if you know that you'll always get, you're always going to be able to eat steak and lobster because the power in between your brain allows you to always have that if you wanted it. Mm. If I wanted to drive a Ferrari today, Jamie, I could. Sure. You know why I don't? Because it doesn't get as good a gas mileage as a Toyota Corolla. I don't even have a visor for my Toyota Corolla on the driver's side. It's $13. I haven't had one in two years. I drive sometimes like this. The arm up. Arm up, blocking the I sun. had a Honda Civic until recently. Same thing. Same thing. Like, it didn't even work. I couldn't turn it. it was because it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that there are so Great many more point. important things in life. And so we get only so much time. Right, we only get so much time. I mean, I'm probably running on my time with you today, but You're good. we only get so much time in the world. And so, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we do everything we can to try and make other people's lives better? Yeah. At the same time, don't cheat yourself. I mean, don't don't do it to the detriment of yourself. Right. But we do have an obligation. If you're here on this planet, you're not supposed to be a net taker. You know, my my financial advisor, who's one of my one of my very favorite coaches of all time, said. There are two types of people in this world. There are only two types of people in this world. And it's kind of an Aaron Rand type thought process, but he's right. He says, there are net takers and there are net givers. Mm. It is my job as your coach to make sure that you are a net producer and a net giver and not a net taker. That's it. I love that. And so the question is, is what are we doing? If I don't implement what Ted and Agnes told me to do, being a, a, a net giver, if I don't implement what my grandma said, you know, hey, here's how business works. Here's what it is. I mean, she's a person. And, and I was talking to somebody about writing a book. I, I, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll do it. 
And, uh, and they said, you know, the name of your book should be standing or, or advice from the shadows of Titans, because the advice that I got is, is from people who are Titans. I mean, to name drop a little bit, when I was nine years old, eight years old, we had blazer season tickets, Portland Trailblazer season tickets. And I love to go get autographs. And so uh, I would go down and get autographs before the game. You used to be able to do that in, in, for the NBA, right? Yeah. So I had all the Portland Trailblazers, all the away teams, everybody's autographs. And I used to talk to this guy who was kind of pudgy, kind of nerdy before the game, every game. And sometimes he'd say, hey, you know, where are you sitting? We sat up at the top and he'd say, you know, why don't you and your dad come sit with me? Now, I didn't know this guy from Adam, but after two, three, four, five seasons, it was just Paul. It was just mm-hmm. Paul. That's how I knew him. Paul, the guy who goes and gets popcorn. And if I'm sitting with him, he asks if I want a soda pop and popcorn. And sometimes Paul would bring people from business and, and they'd sit on either side and they'd be talking. And one day uh, Paul says, Hey, you want to come sit down? And, and it was the Spurs game. I can remember it was a Western conference finals in 1991. And he says, you want to come, you want to come uh, sit down here with me? I've got one extra seat. I got some business guys and, uh, and one of our guys couldn't show up. Your dad's going to have to stay up there, but if you want, you can just sit next to me. You can sit between me and my, my business partner, Bill. And he says, at halftime, just run up to your dad and, and let him know you're safe. I said, okay, cool. I go back at halftime, and my dad goes, you know who that is? I said, yeah, that's Paul and his business partner, Bill. And Paul's going and getting popcorn right now. He says, uh, that's Paul Allen and Bill Gates, the founders of Microsoft. They're the number one and number three richest people in the world. Mm-hmm. I said, what? He said, that's Paul, the guy who buys popcorn. And after that game, Paul asked me, he says, hey, did you get everybody's autograph you want? And is there anything that you want to do? And I said, I, I think I want to be a ball boy. He says, think about that. Here's my phone number. Call me if you want to be a ball boy. So this was a weekend, like a Friday. And Tuesday of the next week, I finally muster up enough call. Now, like I said, I'm 10 years old, maybe at this point. Yeah. And I call up 206, blah, blah, blah. And I live in Salem, Oregon. I said, I get this uh, receptionist that says, you know, Office of Paul Allen. And I said, yeah, this is Nigel. Uh, is Paul available? And she goes, uh, he's in a meeting. I said, well, can you tell him that I'm on the phone? And she goes, uh, who, who is this? I said, this is Nigel, Paul's friend. Because remember, I'm 10. I don't know what Microsoft is. Sure, sure, sure. She goes, let me see what I can do. About 30 seconds later, Paul comes on the phone. Goes, Nigel, how's it going? I said, Paul, I've thought about what you offered, and I, I think I do want to be a ball boy for a game. And he goes, okay, are you going to be at the game this weekend? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, let's talk about that there. I, I'm in the middle of a business meeting. I appreciate that you called, um, but I look, and I look forward to talking to you this, this, you know, this next week. Mm. Come to find out, they were negotiating afterwards. I found out because my dad had stock in Microsoft. They were negotiating with the federal government for the operating systems contract. Oh, Paul wow. Allen walked out of that meeting to go take a call from a 10-year-old kid. Mm. So I've been fortunate in the fact that I've got business advice from the top. I've been able to call a multi-billionaire in the middle of a federal meeting to do something. Yeah. If I can do that at nine, what's, what can I do at 40? I love that, man. That's so, so if yeah. I can do that, what can you do? Yeah. What can anybody who's listening to do? Because I am not anything special. I'm not. I've been very blessed with who I've been around. I've been given a lot of opportunities, but ultimately that's why my, my passion is to help other people. That's why it's actually step up because if I die with 10 million, 20 million, a hundred million, a billion dollars, you know what? 
What's the difference if I give a billion dollars away or teach a hundred thousand people how to make a million? Mm. Which one has a bigger impact? I'll teach a whole bunch of people how to do this. Hundred percent. That's what we need to do because that's what stops people throwing bricks through windows. Mm-hmm. Because then we can have an even keel conversation. I love the uh, I love the full circle on that. You know, that's really really cool. It, you know, it, well, I'll leave that there for right now. The um, the well, by the way, I think it was the Billionaires Playbook was the original working title that you had. I, I kind of yeah, like that. we've talked about that. Yeah, the Billionaires Playbook like or um, <laughs> or uh, you know, lessons from the shadows of Titans. So maybe maybe one day I'll have to uh, get with Tucker and Max and and ghostwrite this thing or there something. I'll tell the stories and they can they can there write it for me. You do exactly. I, you do. I am a horrible part. speller. Like if I ever wrote a book and people actually bought it, I would send it to like my seventh grade English teacher and be like, "I'm as shocked as you are." Send it to me uh, for spell checking. I was a champion speller in school. I, I nothing else, but that that I was good at. I was good at spelling for some reason. I I had to figure out how to get on this computer. <laughs> Let me ask you two two quick uh, uh, last questions. We're gonna I'm gonna pass on the one sheet stuff in the interest of your time, and there's just too much here. I want I want to touch on. You mentioned about. Uh, a, a name that's become very, very popular recently in the in the business acquisition world. That's Cody Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows her. And, uh, not everybody. A lot of people know her, right? And, and with good reason. She's built a, yeah. a, a million, a brilliant brand. Her contrarian uh, uh, thinking uh, 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 mastermind is awesome. She makes a lot of sense. She's very smart, very knowledgeable. She comes from kind of private equity down, if that makes yeah. any sense. And when yeah. I say down, I don't mean negative, but like down more to like the laundromat a laundromat acquisition world, like yeah. private portfolio plus she knows at the PE world, you're the opposite. You kind of come from the bottom up, if you will. Like you're you're but you have similar skills. You 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 two can 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 discuss and be uh, probably for hours or days in this yeah. space. Business acquisition is your thing as much as it is Cody's. She's just built this huge brand. Where do you and Cody see eye to eye? And where do you and Cody differ? Oh man. She I I, I gotta see this. I told her this too. I get to be in a room with a lot of smart people. I mean, a um, little bit also background. After high school, I was in Germany. I was a junior ambassador for the United States Congress, right? So yeah. I, mean, I spoke on the floor of European Parliament and the German Bundestag. You know, I've been invited by Madeleine Albright to have dinner. I mean, very fortunate, right? I've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of smart people. Like I told Cody, I said, I've been in a, a couple of rooms in my life where I'm not the smartest person in the room. But every time I get to have drinks with her, I, it always happens, even if it's just the two of us. And so she is not just the smartest businesswoman in the room most of the time. She is the smartest business person in the room most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in fact, before Breckenridge, when, when we saw each other last, she and I went and had beers uh, before we got on stage yeah. for like two, three, four hours. And at that time, she wasn't in the small business acquisition no. True. She hadn't thought about laundromats. And I said, laundromats is where you want to be. And here's how, and here's what. And, uh, and she, she took it and ran with it. You know, she is, she is a phenomenal marketer. She is a phenomenal uh, person to put things together. And, and that aesthetic, I do not have that skill set. Mm-hmm. She is way better. In fact, with what Chad Corbett and I built up, we basically handed that over to them in uh, and said, here, this use this uh, to, to help build your brand because I really want to support what she's doing. I think she's phenomenal. So, I mean, where do we, where do we stand together? Almost on everything. You know, I think that we, we both believe in the unschool method. I think we both believe in the, in the, anybody can do this. I think it, action, you know, stands up. I think where we differ a little bit, she's, she's much more analytical. She dives in a lot more. 
I'm willing to, to, like you said, shoot, aim, fire or you know, fire, aim. Ready firing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to do that. But I took a personalysis once and they said, you know, one thing about Nigel is he's, he's going to go a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time until given different information. Yeah. And if faced with new information, will change course 180 degrees the opposite direction. I think that's a valuable trait. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't think she does that. I think that she's more analytical. So she has that information beforehand. Mm. And that's a trait that's better than what I have. Mm. She, she has that analytics so that she doesn't accidentally run in the wrong direction. I do. Um, she has the analytics beforehand where I'm going to run and do the very best. And then once I get that, then I got to catch up to her. So yeah, that, and then on the social media side, I think we do differ a little bit. I don't post a lot. I mean, when you do, you're going to see a video and it's going to be here. I don't edit it. I don't do any of that. It's going to have spelling errors in it because I can't spell. Uh, I don't have somebody established who established that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't have uh, people who, who, you know, that's, that's not my, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to sell a program. I don't need any of that. And that, that's maybe a little bit different. And, and I respect what she's doing. I think that she's definitely adding a, a very quality service. And, you know, there should be a minimum check when you do work and you do all this. For me, it's more of a passion for her. It's an economic side. But um, I would say that there's not a single move that she's ever done that I've disagreed with. Yeah, she's so. very, very smart. In fact, to be the fly on the wall for anybody when you and she are interacting around business acquisition specifically uh, would probably be something you could charge for. You know, you can have yeah. a fly on the wall yeah. room because that, I mean, she, you and she both together, you know, those two minds coming together, those two styles, those two sort yeah. of pedigrees coming together uh, is, is an impressive trait, especially because as business acquisition has become seemingly the new 08 version of real estate post COVID, yeah. right? Like it's, yeah. you know, people feel like, Oh, real estate, when's it dipping? So I can go. I mean, it will at some point, but if you're looking for where the dip is with upside opportunity, where business. multiples have compressed significantly, huge small business acquisition, and there's more supply than demand right now, which Bingo. I think you've chronicled quite a bit. Again, by emerge, you'll see his speech on that. That's right. amazing. Let's yeah. uh, let's that, talk that, about so, this. Like I say, I, I, oh, I have, in fact, I told her, I said the next time she's got something, I'd fly down on my own dime to whenever she has it. Cause I, I actually get more kick out of the conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. than any of the financial aspect. You know, um, when you get to a certain level, you no longer care about the finance. Mm. And, and there was a level, um, my bit, my financial advisory say there's a, there's a, uh, there's a level and it's called FU money mm. where you just don't care. And you can say it to whoever and whenever, however. And he says, you know, uh, you want to be just able to be you enough that you can do whatever you want, but not so crazy that you turned Howard Hughes pin and jars, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what that level is, but I want to get just before you pee in jars and, and become a recluse. Like I want to be that level of awesome. So my long-term, I tell people this, like I go sign title uh, for these real estate deals in pajamas all the time. Yeah. I was at a business deal two weeks ago or a week ago, uh, all these fancy real estate folks all in their nice suits and ties. And I showed up and I'm wearing a Rick and Morty pickle Rick shirt and shorts and flip-flops. And they're like, sir, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I, I think I'm drinking. And they're like, uh, this is for this and like three of the edges come no no that's my biggest client and they all look at each other like wait he's your he's mine also and i'm like i use you all yes that's right they're like uh, uh wait oh oh my gosh so that's how that's how that is so yeah i i don't know it's, it's crazy it's i tell crazy. that story just because that's how that's how life is you, you get well, to that point and you just 
You don't need it. And I don't think you know this, but I have a slew of jars over here to pee in once I hit FU money level, that yes. FU money level. So I'm yeah. ready to go, man. I'm ready to I want My life goal, my long-term life goal is I want to drive into a grocery store in a golf cart, do my shopping, go through checkout, nobody say anything. And then just afterwards, somebody be like, who's that guy? What's he doing? And don't mind him. That's just Nigel. He does this. Like, I don't know what level of finance that is, but that's where I want to get to. That's my life goal. What's funny, I hosted this event here with um, Darren Prince, who's the agent for Magic Johnson and, and Larry Bird and all these, all these sort of legendary people. And um, we, we hosted it. He's a, he's a recovering addict, and we hosted it uh, in order to raise money for his charity. Cool. And he uh, introduced me to, well, it ended up being one guy, but it was going to be two that are local here uh, that, uh, that um, he thought I should know, like friends of his that he knew locally. Um, and this was at a country club. So you can imagine kind of the stodginess yeah. of the country club. Yeah. Well, one of the guys, he didn't end up coming. So to be clear, but one of the guys uh, owns a company called StockX. StockX yeah. is a huge stock exchange for, it's the stock exchange of things, sneakers, all that stuff, right? Yeah. This guy dresses hat backwards, you know, loose jacket, kind of sh- like street clothes, I guess, right? He's a yeah. 40-year-old guy. He's made a lot of money. He's got a net worth damn close to a billion dollars. Yeah. I, I warned the country club in advance that yeah. he might be coming. And if he did, like, dude could buy and sell this club 57 different ways if he wanted to. So to your point, to your point, he, uh, he didn't end up coming, but it's that, that stigma. He lives the life he wants to live. He's got that pee and jar money, obviously, at this point. Yeah. But, but anyway, that was an interesting, what you just said made sense to me in that yeah. regard. Not the peeing and jar part, but having, having the kind of money yeah, that allows crazy. Those I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The, um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was, was you talked earlier about, Hundred million dollars worth of worth of you know business uh, uh, ventures that you could have participated in, mm-hmm. but didn't. The hundred million dollars that uh, you were offered but went back for five hundred million, uh, and even everything else that you kind of do. And this has been a struggle for me in my post W two world to some extent. And it's the concept of knowing your value. Yeah. How do you? How do you? Why do you know your value? Like for me, it's a struggle of like ah, I don't want to be too pushy. You know, am I really worth that or whatever? But you've got not arrogance or cockiness about it, not at all. But you're confident in what you can do, and you're confident in what you can provide, and that you get value back for that, or at least you know what your value is. Yeah. How? What is it that you think? What trait do you have that allows for that? Well, you know, I mean, Tim Grover says, you know, cleaners, cleaners are cleaners, right? Michael Jordan went into Jerry Reinsdorf's office and said, hey, that first office should, that first offer better start with a three, right? And he wasn't made 3 million, but 30 million back in 1996. Yeah. Right. So, so Michael Jordan knew what he was worth because he could walk in there. Maybe it sounds cocky to say it this way, but I know what, I, I know that that's, that's where it is. I can, I can walk into any room and if you're, if you're in a pickle, I am the guy who can solve that problem for you if it's real estate or business better than anybody else. It's just the facts. Because of getting whacked as hard as I have, I can solve problems with banking and real estate better than anybody else. Now that said, returns should be based on what the other side can do too. So if I've got a guy who's coming up from the wrong side of town that nobody ever helped, it's not right for me to go, hey, my minimum check's $10 million. Mm -hmm. It's not right. Yeah. But if I've got a hedge fund that, you know, is getting its money from Jeff Bezos and I'm, and it's just throwing more money on the stack, you're damn right. I'm going to ask for what it is. And I'm going to say, Hey, what's, what are those guys at, you know, at Wharton? What, what does that, what does the 2020 class of Wharton getting? Oh, they're each getting a million dollars a piece. Perfect. How many people were in there? 40. Okay. Perfect. I want $40 million because mm-hmm. I can smoke all those guys. Yeah. I'm smarter yeah. than every one of them combined. I can outthink every single one of them. You want the help? 
perfect. Here's what it costs. So the question is, is what's the value? Mm. Well, to the guy who needs Wharton, you know, school of business response, pay Wharton prices. The guy who's, who's working a minimum wage job and wants and sees the problem and, you know, had no, you know, the girl who had no dad or, you know, had to raise her, her brothers and sisters. How arrogant, how pompous would it be for me to say I'm more than free? Mm. Right. So that question is loaded because there is no answer. It's you pay what you're supposed to pay. Mm. That person's not supposed to pay anything because they weren't given the education. They don't have the ability to. So to tell them what my price is would be to insult them and to steal from them the opportunities that they should have and that we're going to help them have because of the education I'm going to give them. The guy who already has it all, the money means nothing to him. It's a game. So I'm going to make it hurt. You know, it's, it, I think the core, that's a great answer, by the way. And I think the core of that is uh, you lead with value period, right? And everything that you do, you talked about it, you know, you, you, you know, you lead with value. And when you lead with value, you become known as somebody who can contribute. And when you contribute, there's value in that contribution, whether, and to your point, it depends on who is, who it is that you're serving, whether or not there's monetization there or not. I like that a lot. I like the lead with value sort of, uh, sort of a uh, mantra behind that. Well, so, and when, when right. I got into this, Gabe Hamill, he asked me, you know, hey, you want to get into abundance? And I told him, I said, if this is just a you know, bunch of rich guys measuring each other, you know, I have no desire. I have no desire for that. Because the facts are, is if I wanted a billion dollars, I'd go do it. Yeah. But I'd rather have an impact to more people than that. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I have no mortgage on my house. I'm sitting in a house that has no mortgage. I drive a car that's paid off. You know, I, I, I might have $5,000 of expenses a month. Yeah. My passive income is substantially more than that a month. Yeah. I mean, I could almost put two zeros behind it with what we're going to do probably next year. Right. I love it. I don't, I don't need the money. In fact, to be honest, Jamie, I don't even take the money out of the businesses that we have. I leave it in there and grow it because why? If I take it, I get taxed. Right. So might as well go grow it and build it and keep going. Because people, my obligation right? is to my team, it's yep. to my people. Yeah, it's because if I took it all, how much? How wrong would that be? Yeah, right? okay. yeah. it's we our obligation it. to take care of people. Sure, we get what we get when we give. No doubt about it. I, that's why I honestly I love that pillar, genuine contribution. Because you know I've I've said this before. When when you are somebody who's contributory and you do that in an area like a abundance, right, where the resources, the capabilities of, of all the men, all the women in the in the women's tribe, uh, is at a level that maybe above and beyond what you're used to in your day to day life. That return is exponential because you know you're well connected. I'm well connected. This, that, and the other. And we yeah. want to help and give to one another as well as everybody around us. So. Well, um, well and to, to that point, I mean, when I was in, when I was in Breckenridge uh, last summer, I mean, we were talking and, and what was, what did I end that with? I'd love to get a copy of that if you can find a way to, to find that, by the way, yeah. of, that, of that video. But yeah. I ended it, my last thing that, that I ended it with, you know, in this room and watching this, there's a net worth of $2.5 billion in this room. Yeah. When are you guys going to step it up? Because I'm up here and I'm tired of listening to the rhetoric of, hey, we should do this. Hey, we should have dry powder. Hey, we should do this. Your dry powder doesn't mean anything if you're dead. Right. So I'm going to use your dry powder and I'm going to keep firing. I'm going to keep firing. I'm going to keep firing because I know my family's history. You know, I know that I had people who signed the Declaration of Independence. I know, you know, what having dry powder really means. It doesn't mean have it so that you can store it. It means have it so you can shoot somebody. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So when, when you're very genuine about what your level is, you are unapologetic about what the long-term ramifications and what you're trying to establish. And that means, yes, I will go all the way. When my kids ask me, well, you know, Hey dad, I, I'm, I, you know, and we have to discipline them. I was telling them, I said, how far are you willing to go today on this? Oh, you know, I'm going to go. I said, are you willing to go to the back of the cop car with me? Mm-hmm. They go, wait, what? I said, this is how far I'm willing to go. I want to establish this from the get go. If I've got to discipline you and it gets heated, how far are you willing to go? I'm willing to go all the way to the back of the cop car. How far are you willing to go? Hmm. Uh, I, well, no, I didn't mean that. Okay. So, so are we ready to tone this down? Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now let's have a conversation. Right? Because if you tell the other side, I'm willing to go this far and it's so much further. And I honestly mean it. All of a sudden a real conversation is going to happen right. because yeah. you don't get that chest bumping. Yeah. Right. You get, yeah. hey, I'm willing to go all the way to the end. So now, knowing that, let's either get there now or let's talk it out. Yeah, makes sense. They always talk it out. Always talk it out. I have to use that with my six-year-old. Maybe not. Let's go over to the GoBundance card game because this is, I mean, man, you've just given so much information here, knowledge and wisdom. And again, it's, it's always great connecting with you, talking to you, but I want to make sure I have respect your time and everything here. So we've got the King of Diamonds and this question is deep. You ready for it? Do okay. you... Text and drive. Yes. All the time. Okay. Yeah, no, I shouldn't. And and who was it? I think it was, uh, man, we, who were we talking about in Aspen? Somebody was talking about that. Like, you can't text and drive and do this oh, all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I break the law all the time. I'm, I'm a, yeah, no, absolutely. I shouldn't. And uh, I should be more present in that. But yeah. yeah. And I, if you look on my Instagram, I'll post while talking and driving all the time. That, yeah. that is honest. And I try to do it at a stoplight maybe at least, but yeah, yeah that, I'm, I'm, I'm just as guilty. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally guilty of it. Uh, yeah, I, I shouldn't definitely shouldn't, but uh, you know, I, I figure the Lord's going to take me when he's going to take me. And so, you know, if he's going to take me in a car accident, I guess that's when it is. The so. key here, Nigel, is that, did the Lord intend for you to take somebody else? Huh? Think about maybe, that. Think maybe. About that. I don't know. You never know. Where do we where do people learn more about you? Where can they follow you or website? Wherever you want to yeah. direct them so they can so, learn more about uh, that. So that's where to reach out to me is Instagram because and the reason I do that is just because um, then I can control how much time I spend on it. Yep. I found that whenever I said, hey, Facebook, Instagram, website, phone number, all that stuff, then I, I did. I got a lot. And going back, circling back to your your first, how do you balance that? You know, I was spending a lot of time, especially straight out of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Oh, yeah. um, I got a lot of calls. And and that's why we ended up, Chad and I ended up handing a bunch of that stuff over to, to Cody so she could monetize it, but also to, you know, so that so that we could have some more free time. Um, because I, I do want to help people and I want to be genuine with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when you're when you're an open book, uh, people like to read it, right? So um, that's the only the only downside. So um, Instagram and I'm just Nigel Geisinger, uh, you know, a pretty simple. Nobody else has my name. So, um, that's G U I S I N G E R. We'll, we'll yeah, put it in N-I-G-E-L, the show. Yeah. N I G E L last name Geisinger G U I S I N G E R. And, uh, yeah, I try and respond back to everybody. It might take me a couple of days. Uh, if you give me something really deep that I got to think about, you know, I might, I might hit you back a week later, but, uh, my goal is, and I have every single person who sends me a message, I'm going to respond back. It's me. It's not somebody else. So when it has spelling mistakes in there, understand it. You know, you get who you get, man. It's it's got to be on your headstone somehow. Like Nigel, Nigel here lies Nigel. Guys, spell my, I'll spell he my own spell. 
I'll spell my own last name wrong. That's <laughs> G. I don't know. Yeah, just H. <laughs> throw an H in there. Throw an H. Yeah, I like there's a, that. There's a question mark and a yep, ampersand. An ampersand. Sign. I, was, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. I don't know. I only if I know that from but, Wheel of Fortune, but I still don't know which one that is. I think it's the so, end symbol. But, but anyway. yeah, I mean, if anybody needs uh, advice, I, I love running numbers for people. I love helping people. And, and ultimately, I do want to see people succeed. And I yeah. honestly believe anybody can do it. Uh, I've said it multiple times today, and I, I honestly mean it. I think anybody can do this. I am not any smarter. There are substantially more intelligent people than me, more athletic, more driven, more able than I am. And and they don't do it because they sit on the sidelines. And, um, you know, inaction is the worst thing that can happen. So mm. be active. Even if you're wrong, be active. Just yeah. be willing to adjust. So that's Great. my take. These are truly lessons from the shadows of Titans, my friend. Thank you so much for all of you that you give to the world, all that you've given to me today. And it's always great connecting. Thanks for being on today. I appreciate you. Thanks. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance Podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, 5 million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.